3: Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show and happy Friday. Should the COVID vaccine be added to the list of mandatory vaccines your child has to have in order to attend school? The CDC just recommended yes which is absolutely outrageous, given the risks to children from these vaccines and the extremely low risk children face from covid. Although the CDC's guidance is not binding on states, local authorities tend to follow the CDC. That is what happened with school closures, you may remember. And this one's even more controversial because the vaccines are potentially dangerous to children. Young people are being injured by these vaccines. And as I tweeted out correctly the other day, a disturbing number of children are dying after getting them. It's rare, but it's happening. If you are between the ages of 16 and 24, your chances of developing myocarditis, a heart infection that is potentially very dangerous, is about one in 3000, according to Dr. Vinay Prasad. Prasad is a Johns Hopkins educated physician and expert in public health. He's been on this program. He is not anti-vaccine and he's been an honest broker on this. Some studies put the chances even higher, like a recent one out of Thailand. And that's why the relatively recent study out of Thailand is so compelling, because that Thai study looked at 301 patients between the ages of 13 and 18 did antibody studies showed that none of them had evidence of having had covid they did extensive cardiac workups on these kids prior to vaccine none of them had any cardiac anomalies and then within immediately within days after getting vaccinated 29.4% 30% of them had cardiac abnormalities following vaccination. Hmm. You don't see that all over the media. Vinay, who was also present in that interview, of Vinay Prasad, suggested it was more like one in 30. The point is uh, there is a decent chance that your kid could c- potentially contract a heart ailment as a result of these vaccines. Moderna has higher rates of complications than Pfizer. And dose two is considered more dangerous than dose one. Several foreign countries have banned or discouraged the use of Moderna in young men altogether. But Pfizer also has seen complications. Sometimes the myocarditis is clinical, and that means your kid knows he has a problem. He has chest pains, he's short of breath, et cetera. You can take him to the doctor. Doctors say perhaps as many as half of all these myocarditis cases, however, are subclinical, meaning your kid might not even know he or she has an issue. Because there are no symptoms. So you, you can't get him on medication because you don't know it's a problem. Vaccine defenders are quick to point out that most cases of post vaccine myocarditis are, quote, mild. They're mild. I, that wouldn't make me feel better for giving my kid a vaccine he doesn't need. He's had COVID, like most kids. Okay, but they say it's mild. But there is a dispute in the medical community about whether any myocarditis can be considered mild. Some say that's like saying your teen. Oh, he just had a mild heart attack. Oh, really? My 13 year old. Okay, no problem. Others say no, no. Mild myocarditis is something that we're seeing post vaccine and it is something from which one can easily and quickly recover. Do you want to take the risk? That's up to you. Shouldn't be mandated. The CDC has no business telling states it should be on that list. Dr. Prasad, back to him, interviewed a pediatric rheumatologist not long ago who has examined images of children's hearts after so-called mild myocarditis. And here is how he described it.
1: You know, there is mild transient pericarditis where people with lupus or people with other you know, immune diseases have just inflammation of the pericardium, and that goes away. Um, and it's mild. Um, and it's, it is truly mild transient. And I think that's the description of it makes some people think um that this is what we're dealing with um and i've actually had some people say you know well well, that's that's all it is but it's not it's different um in that you know it actually affects the myocardium and it actually in some cases leaves imaging changes that although we don't know the you know ramifications of it and although they seem to be hopefully evolving in a positive direction in these patients. Um, you know, the bottom line is that I, I think that as a parent, you know, if, if, if you were a pediatric cardiologist or a doctor and your child had those imaging findings, you, you wouldn't be thrilled. Um, you wouldn't be thrilled. Yeah.
3: <sighs> Disgusting my, myocarditis and pericarditis there. Another complication. A study published in September's edition of The Lancet looked at post-vaccine myocarditis in people between the ages of 12 and 29. It found that 90 days after they got the shot and got the myocarditis, one in six had not recovered from their myocarditis. Okay? One in six. 50% still had at least one symptom of the myocarditis, palpitations, chest pain, etc. One third of these young people were still missing school or work because of myocarditis. One in four still had restrictions on their physical activity even after so-called full recovery. Many were still on serious cardiac medications. Why why would a parent with a healthy 12-year-old give them the vaccine With these risks, when the risk of contracting COVID, unless you are otherwise immunocompromised, is next to nothing. All of this leads me to ask, why aren't more reporters raising questions about the safety of these vaccines for kids? And how on earth can the CDC justify adding them to its list of recommended mandatory vaccines for children? Once it goes on this list, state after state will say, let's put it up there with the MMR vaccine. Let's make it a prerequisite for children to attend school. We're not there yet, but that's what's about to happen. The problems, by the way, are not limited to negative symptoms, cardiac symptoms and even potential hospitalization. In our country and abroad, too many young people are dying post-vaccination. Again, it's rare, but it is happening. And the numbers to me are downright scary. In New York, a 24-year-old college student recently died after getting the Pfizer vaccine in what officials identified as vaccine-related myocarditis. In Kansas, a 20-year-old nursing student died in late September of cardiac arrest, one day after getting the mandatory vaccine. Her mother believed the vaccine was to blame for her otherwise healthy daughter's death. In Michigan and Connecticut, two young teens died post-vaccination. The pathology reports were studied by researchers who concluded that they died from a catecholamine-induced injury and not typical myocarditis. However, they said we need more research on whether that offending injury occurred as a result of the vaccine, which may have caused the damage that led to a fatal arrhythmia. In New Zealand, the COVID Vaccine Independent Safety Monitoring Board said in April 2022 that a teenager died of myocarditis they believe was linked to the Pfizer-Vax. The board also concluded the death of a 13 year old child appeared to be linked to the vaccine, as was the death of a 26 year old young woman who contracted myocarditis after getting the Pfizer vaccine. In Sonoma County, California, a 15 year old died of a heart attack 48 hours after getting the vaccine. Officials did not explicitly link that death to the vaccine, but simply declared the cause of death unknown. In Vietnam, at least four children ages 12 to 16 died following their Pfizer vaccinations in late November. Early December 2021. A 23 year old Vietnamese woman died following her second Pfizer shot in January 2022. Officials linked those deaths to the vaccinations. In Thailand, a 16 year old boy died from blood clots following the Pfizer vaccine. In Manchester, England, an 18 year old died from a blood clot following the AstraZeneca vaccine. These are just a few examples. I know about these because I'm in the news. I've been doing interviews on this time after time, and so I've got to stay abreast of this. The average citizen doesn't hear these cases reported because the media doesn't want to talk about it. It doesn't mean anyone who gets a vaccine is going to get myocarditis or is going to die, obviously. But what's with the silencing? What's with the shaming for anybody who wants to talk about these cases and ask for more data on exactly how many cases this has happened in and what the risk actually is? To our kids, the, the, these, these numbers, these cases, they don't even begin to cover the number of cases on VAERS where doctors and medical professionals have to, have to report vaccine injuries or their people can, can report them. Um, they, they don't begin to cover the number of cases there of post-vaccination injury or death. And keep in mind, many such injuries never find their way onto VAERS at all. We've had vaccine injured guests on this show whose doctors wouldn't post their severe vaccine related injuries and others who were dropped from the vaccine clinical trials altogether after severe injury occurred during the trials. Our public health officials and the media are so blinded by their adherence to universal vaccination at all costs, they're not being honest about the data. More questions need to be asked. We are talking about children. Mandating this vaccine is morally wrong. Putting it on this schedule is insane. Dr. Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins called the CDC's decision to add this to the vaccine schedule for kids shameful. Dr. Prasad used the term catastrophic. Both say parents now will be less likely to get any of the recommended vaccines, the MMR vaccine and so on, because it undermines faith in the CDC. This decision is going to cost lives. The CDC cannot be trusted. They're not being honest about the data, and they haven't been for some time. They're not even disclosing the data. The human trials for the current vaccine were never made public. The vaccine companies are calling them top secret. Why can't we see them? Why, why can we not see the data? How can they mandate that we stick our kids with this thing without showing us these data? All of this risk for a vaccine that shows no reduction in disease for children. Dr. McCary of Johns Hopkins said exactly that on Fox News. In fact, it may endanger them. Resist this madness and demand more information. The fight is on now at the state to state level. That's where it's going next. Don't let them shame you into silence. If you don't stand up, who will? We'll be right back with Mary Catherine Hamm to respond right after this break.
0: Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you, too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000.
2: Call now. assistance. Help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com carlson and save 20% today.
3: here with you now, Mary Catherine Ham. She is host of the podcast Getting Hammered, which is just amazing. <laughs> and also, we think employed by CNN, but we'll get to that in a second. MK, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Yeah. Good. All right. So am I where am I going wrong on, on this recommendation that uh, the COVID vaccine be added to the list of mandatories? Look,
4: I don't think it's the right decision. Every everything in life is a risk analysis, right? And it should be in science too. And you should be dealing with the data and you should be dealing with like what the risks are to actual patients here. Throughout the entire COVID era, the tendency has been, especially among children who are at incredibly low risk for serious COVID, has been to exaggerate their risk. In the actual disease and to ignore other risks all the other risks whether it's their social interactions whether it's this teenage particularly teenage boys with the myocarditis where they have this increased risk they have almost no data on these vaccines with children and then they just pretend that the data dictates these recommendations when you go scratch the data or you go listen to the hf uh discussions these guys are going. Mm, I don't think this should really be used for mandates, but uh, I guess we're going to say yes. And that is not heartening. And I think, no. for me, the risk analysis I'm concerned about is I think there's far greater risk to the regular schedule of vaccines, traditional ones, MMR, dittet, mm-hmm. uh, as they call it in raising Arizona. These kinds of things that will suffer because trust will suffer. You've got two things going on here. One a broken habit of well visits for your children because they made it so hard to go to the pediatrician for two years. And then another broken trust with public health officials with a lot of good reason. There's an mm-hmm. uh, There was a June meeting with ACIP, which is this advisory board that made this decision. And there's just a perfect illustration of this that a, a mom who's a data hound down in Georgia caught, Kelly in Georgia of COVID Georgia, She caught the CDC misrepresenting the risk of death to children, to the ACIP. It was, they were double counting COVID deaths among children over a period of time that was longer. They were not, they were doing apples and oranges. It was meant to be fear-mongering. It was meant to pressure this group of people. It was flat out wrong. And it leads them to make decisions that are not correct. Like they- Public health needs to be straight with us, and they repeatedly are not straight with us.
3: Mm -hmm. That's why my my frustration in this whole thing has been: I know I can't trust the CDC, I can't, I can't trust the WHO, I can't trust the NIH. So who do I trust? You know, I don't want to go hardcore the other way, and I understand these are respected doctors, but I I don't want to go hardcore, full only Doctor Malone. You know, who I realize is very much against the vaccines, and I listen to him and I consider him, but uh, you know. I'm trying to find a a moderate voice who I can trust. That's why I do listen to Vinay Prasad. I listen to Dr. Marty McCary. I I listen to a lot of experts that we've had on this show who I try to find who are, I think, honest brokers. And what those people are saying is that, like I said in the Talking Points memo, one dose is far less problematic than two doses. Boys are at increased risk versus girls. and Pfizer may be mildly better than Moderna. You know, some some countries overseas are saying no Moderna at all for that age group. But you heard the deaths I just went through. Most of them are Pfizer. And the only reason we have those reported in the news for the most part, and the reason that so many of them are overseas is our media and our public health officials here won't say the vaccine led to somebody's death because they say it's impossible to prove. But it's like, okay perfectly healthy kid gets the Moderna vox- vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine on Tuesday and dies on Friday of myocarditis and had no problem with myocarditis or he- heart health issues prior to getting the vaccine. You have to make a deduction. The authorities overseas are much quicker to say, well, obviously that's vaccine induced myocarditis that led to the person's death. Over here, we're so pro-vax. It's you can't say that. We don't know what caused it. Right. Well, and, and what the answer will be, and it's, it's
4: right. If you're doing your risk ana- analysis, they will say, well, this is a very small risk. That's part of the discussion, right? Mm-hmm, but that's we part We should have yes. the discussion about the risk. And by the way, we've spent two years talking about a minuscule risk to young, healthy children of bad effects from COVID, right? So mm-hmm. I don't want to hear just one side of the risks. I would like to balance them. Wait, because you're that's so what right. grownups do. And they don't because tell people to, to shut up about their experiences.
3: To the point you just raised, you know, I hadn't even thought about it this way, but they exaggerate the risk of dying from COVID for children by yes. overcounting kids who die with COVID. You know, they, they go into the hospital for something else. They happen to have COVID and they die. They count them as deaths from COVID um, and do the funny numbers like you point out the woman in Georgia found them doing. So yeah. one way they want to inflate artificially the number of kids dying from covid. But the right. other way, they won't count anything unless they have proof well, How do you get proof positive? It's like that's why the Thailand study is so interesting, because they took kids they knew had not had covid and did not have cardiovascular issues, then gave them the vaccine and then saw the increase in myocarditis and cardiac issues like that. I'm not talking about deaths there. I'm talking about heart complications from the COVID vaccine. That's like, that's as good as you're going to get. And then if those kids wind up dying from myocarditis, what are they going to say? We have no idea what caused it. Well, and Prasad calls it
4: a safety signal. And that safety signal is something you should pay attention to and you should adjust accordingly, which is the thing we have been totally incapable of doing in American public health since this began. You see places where, like, Sweden and Denmark, they'll go, oh, well, maybe we should just reduce it to one shot for teenagers. Uh, Maybe we should warn teenage boys that perhaps the second one is problematic. Uh, Give people this information. They don't mandate them for young people who are at very low risk and yet face different risks. But they say you can or sometimes they even argue against it. But just like with school closings, we are on a completely different page than the rest of public health throughout the developed yes. world uh and it's this sort of maniacal my- myopic focus on only one risk as if COVID is the only thing that can hurt your children it's just not true and grown-ups weigh risks they don't just consider one mm-hmm.
3: think about how i don't know about you but i know lots of women who postpone their annual physical because they don't want to get on the scale think about the parents who are now going to be postponing the wellness visit for their kids because they know their doctor is going to say, well, not only should he get the MMR or does he have, the, have to have the following vaccines, you got to get that covid vaccine. CDC recommended it. And now as a result, our state has made it part of the mandatory list. You can't go to school without this. And they use the, the CDC knows this is where it's going. And still those. I almost said efforts. I'm trying to clean up my mouth a little bit, a little slightly. They voted 15 to zero for this, 15 to zero. Well, and, and if you watch them discuss these things that they vote
4: unanimously on, they don't feel as confident as the vote reflects, right? But you have to actually watch that discussion. Um, some of this, I think, is just like pressure, social pressure. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not sure I'm going to raise a bunch of issues with this, but then I'm just going to vote yes. And it's it is disingenuous to say that this does not lead to mandates. Okay, sure, they don't make the actual mandate, but this is what states and school systems and counties and cities will use to say, this is what we use to justify what we require for activities uh, for school as if children haven't had enough things taken away from them. In DC, they tried, they tried to do this uh, before school started this year and realized it would cut out about 40% of the black student community, which is a yeah. problem. Uh, and so they postponed it till January. What happens now? perhaps they look at the cdc and go look now we have our justification and i look again when you make that decision to skip the wellness visit if you're afraid about being pressured about this particular thing if you have justified concerns about this particular vaccination guess what you're going to end up missing your mmr update your mm-hmm. di- the, the ones that are the traditional real problems that can cause real problems if we skip them in mass are going to be the things you miss and, and I have genuine concerns real vaccines. about what think about the rest of this.
3: And those are real vaccines. Those are things that will actually prevent you from getting measles, mumps, rubella. You know, unlike this vaccine, which will not prevent you or your child from getting COVID at all, despite what the CDC originally said. So you can stick your kid with this with this uh, needle and he can very well get COVID anyway. Um, you know, I was. Uh, way down the rabbit hole on McCary and Prasad and all these guys. And there was something of an A's it's, P- spell Vinay, but it's pronounced Vinay. Forgive me. I always forget. Um, on his Substack, he he posted an article from a third year medical student, and he was saying this guy's got more sense than most public health officials out there today. And this third year medical student had taken a look at the data and the studies and was saying that these vaccines for children and teenagers and young people like him, he's you a know, third year med student, so he's young 20s, have caused more hospitalizations than they have prevented that that is what the studies seem sh- to show that they've caused more hospitalizations than they've prevented um and and Vinay, Vinay was saying you know, I'd be happy to have this guy in the medical profession and treating my own son this this is this is what is a sensible um conclusion after looking at all the data and yet you look at your school administrator and he just says CDC. see yeah uh, I mean, well,
4: well and, and they've already been boosting college students as a requirement to come back to school, which, by the way, I ain't paying money for that. Uh, no. my, my tens of thousands of dollars to send this kid off and boost him before he can go sit in three masks at, in a virtual classroom. <laughs> um, but like the cost benefit analysis on that is not good. Uh, but like this is this is where we are that I mean, Paul Offit, who's like the most pro vax guy there is is like, I don't know, like boosters for young people like that doesn't make that much doing? sense. That's not a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing, but (laughs) (laughs) this is. But when that when when he is telling you that, it's a real issue, and it's why can't we calibrate to risk? Why couldn't we admit that an 80 year old was facing different risk than a five year old? Why couldn't we say that outdoors was pretty daggone safe and indoors was not? Like there were so many missed exits along the way. The media went along with it
3: our, Adjustment. our industry was complicit and remains Ooh, complicit. Yes. This is what's so disturbing. Like you, you know, you, you stick a toe in these waters of like, I'm concerned I'm seeing very troubling data. And it's like, <sighs> you know, like obviously there's the disinformation doesn't what's happened to all of them. But, um, Uh, That's wrong. Our our industry is we get paid to be curious. We get paid to say, bullshit, that's not part of the accepted narrative and instead say, oh, that's interesting. Where are you getting that from? Let's look at that. Let's go down that rabbit hole. Let's why aren't they giving us the data behind these clinical trials? But you're right. We should have that. Um, And I do think it's one of the reasons why we just saw that poll. And uh, there was one saying nearly 60 percent have absolutely no faith in the media, zero yep. faith in 60 percent of Americans and one showing 38 uh, percent as low as 38 percent have no faith in the media. Independents have no faith in the media. Republicans have no faith in the media. The only people with any faith left are some of the Democrats, M.K., but it's really, all connected. they're
4: working hard on it, trying to pull that number up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, because it's all their narratives. Yeah, Look, it's skepticism is
4: good for you. And it's, uh, it's good to apply it to many large institutions, uh, all of the government institutions. And yet media is often very selective about how it applies skepticism or else it would listen to some of these discussions and scratch some of the data and go, oh, wait, this is not exactly what we were being presented. But they don't do that in particular cases. And this is one of those particular cases. By the way, leave it to the media to have like 80 plus percent Uh, say that they're a threat to democracy it's like the only thing we have bipartisan agreement on apparently (laughs) uh in one poll and then in the gallup poll it's like seven percent have a great amount of trust for media and media is (laughs) like awesome job guys that's us pick up your trophy like it's
3: truly it's like those seven percent are like nora o'donnell don lemon (laughs) it's like this select group of people who are actually in the media because nobody on the outside still believes in them it's, it's not
4: good. And and part of it is just, it's so populated by people who agree with each other and the social pressure can be so large to not step out. And the institutional incentives to agree with everyone are great. Right. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, this is what's interesting about you. You, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of enjoy being a contrarian. You don't mind being, you know, the one in the room saying that the different thing, the old, one it's, of these things is not like the others. You've got three young kids, you know. That's you. So you brand. don't mind going against the grain.
4: I, I don't. I enjoy it because I think, and I tell college students this because I go to college campuses to be the weirdo who disagrees with all of them. Uh, <laughs> it's important for rooms to have weirdos. And it's important for someone to be the weirdo in the room, sometimes just to just to mess with the thoughts, just to test them. Because if you don't test them, then you end up Convincing yourself with a lot of motivated reasoning never testing your confirmation bias and these things lead us to really unhealthy conclusions uh, And so rooms need weirdos. I'm happy to be that weirdo. I do it often uh, And if you don't have it, it can get really dangerous and I think that's what you see in a lot of media All
3: right, this is the perfect place for us. to Take a quick break because being a weirdo at cnn is kind of a thing <laughs> MK is not actually one, but there's plenty over there. And you will not believe what happened to her as a result of her calling out one you know very well. And that is Jeffrey Tubin for his love of masturbation when in front of a Zoom camera. That's where we're going to pick it up right after this. Don't go away.
0: Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you, too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now.
3: Well, as many of you know, Mary Catherine Hamm is one of the top conservative commentators in the business. Uh, We've been friends and I've known her forever, and she's really the best at what she does. CNN hired her for that reason. Exactly, of course. But then the problem is she had the guts to throw some truth bombs about then network legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin, and CNN was a little cool on that idea, as it turned out. If you need a reminder on Tubin. He's the guy who left his Zoom on and jerked off in front of his colleagues at The New Yorker while preparing for election night coverage. These poor people were just sitting there pretending to be analyzing election results when he whipped it out and started pleasuring himself. And they had to look at that. (laughs) Now, he also had a job as the chief legal analyst over at CNN. That's not where he did it, but he, he was on air with them and they had to make a decision about what to do with him. And He did not get fired. Now we know why, because Jeff Zucker had his own Me Too problems and had a host of Me Tooers over there. Tubin was just one who had sexual problems. And uh, so he just got a suspension. He got an eight month suspension. Mary Catherine says after she sent out some pretty benign tweets about Tubin, she was, without her knowledge, quietly suspended. The punishment was so quiet, they never told her about it until it was over. All right, Mary Catherine. So it started because you had a little tweet dust up with some internal people at CNN on whether they were over covering January 6th compared to the Capitol Hill baseball uh, field shooting, uh, which had taken place in 2017. You were kind of saying, you know, we moved on from the shooting of the Republicans, the attempted and actual shooting of the Republicans really quickly and not so much on January 6th.
4: Yeah, the political violence double standard is one that uh, really sticks in my old craw. And so I bring it up every now and then. And I just look, I tweeted something, what I thought was calm and factual about our coverage. I know that it's dicey to do that when you're at a media outlet. Uh, a colleague of mine came back at me about it and we had a, an argument about it. that got like medium heated, I would say, um, because I think, look, it's my job to comment on media coverage coverage on national stories. And sometimes that is going to fall afoul of the organization you're working for. That's always Mm -hmm. going to be a weird situation. So I try to keep it above board. In that discussion, I brought up Tubin. Tubin was still an employee of the network. This is under the Zucker regime, not the new one. And uh, that was deemed not appropriate. Uh, I didn't know this because no one told me. Now, I knew that that was possible, that that was not appropriate under the rules of sort of avoiding shooting inside the tent. Uh, However, I rejected the idea that I have to stay silent about this obviously egregious content, uh, conduct, and just move on, right? If you're going to fact check me, if we're going to have this argument, I've got some other issues you could talk about, right? Right. I just... The idea that female colleagues are asked to be quiet about that particular thing. I don't I don't buy it and I I will take the punishment. I would prefer to be told about the punishment.
3: Wait, but before we get to the silent suspension, which is just so weird, it's like no balls. Okay, they knew what they were doing was wrong and they didn't have the balls to tell you. it's ironic because we're talking a lot about men genitalia in this little segment. But in any event, um, so before there's so much. So before before this, the quiet suspension, the Twitter dust up, you were trying to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were having this argument with this guy, Andrew Kaczynski, who's at CNN, who was ripping on you saying you did you did cover and CNN right. using you did cover the Capitol Hill shooting of the Republicans. You know, you were there. And you were like, yeah, and we and therefore I can tell you that we covered it and we moved on within 48 hours. And he was kind of needling you and you were making the point. You said, do do you need the rest of my itinerary from that day and the day after, which, again, were basically the only days this was a national story, which was my point. And then he said, got Jack to say about Cuomo and Tubin, but got a fact check me. When he's got nothing. One jacked off in front of female colleagues and one violated every conflict of interest rule in journalism, referring to Chris Cuomo, lied about it and got fired. But I'm the issue because I think the congressional baseball shooting was covered too lightly and taxes are too high? Sure, dude, which was pretty brilliant. <laughs> and that so point well taken, you're basically saying, How do I get attacked for for saying something about Tubin? And I don't remember you out there saying, Why did Tubin jerk off in front of all his colleagues? <laughs> or Cuomo. Like,
4: I'm the problem. I'm the problem for making this calm observa- observation about coverage that I was involved with. And we did. I mean, truly, truly, people will tell you in media that like Giffords and uh, the congressional baseball see- shooting, which are fairly analogous, were covered the same way. It's it's not true. They weren't. It is not true. And I know because I was a block and a half from the baseball field where I lived uh, when someone, the killer, it turns out uh, or the attempted murder camped out in my neighborhood for a month looking for people of my ideology to kill. And then he attempts it. And within 48 hours, those news vans were out of there, man. And you can't give me the excuse that, oh, it was, it was far flung from all the major media outlets. We're six miles away. We Mm -hmm. are six miles away. And they just, it was, it was not as big a deal because some forms of political violence are not as big a deal.
3: That is just that's right. How it's covered. This is the point you're trying to make totally legitimate. You got attacked. You got attacked first internally by by a colleague. So you you were first just taking issue with the amount of coverage at CNN. Then a CNN colleague attacked you saying you're wrong, basically. And then you said you got a lot to say about me, but you didn't say so much about Tubin or Cuomo. So silent. Right. Silence is deafening. So then how many months go by that you we now know were intentionally suddenly you you were you were you were disappeared like was, like yeah. mommy dearest if she doesn't like you
4: she can make it was it, it was till it was until July so that's a that's seven it was beginning of January till July so it's about seven months to Tubin's eight months
3: uh, and so you got a seven was, month suspension for making a comment about Jeffrey Tubin and Jeffrey Tubin. He he got an eight-month suspension for actually tubinging.
4: Yes. So <laughs> you, will, you will see what led me to want to talk about this because I thought to myself, is this formulated to tick me off as much as possible? And you have a couple options here. Look, Zucker's gone, Tubin's gone, or he was gone several weeks after I was informed of this. Uh, I could let it lie. My options are I'm under contract. I could go back and do my job with a smile on my face. That didn't feel right. I could negotiate myself out of it quietly. Also, the quiet part doesn't work for me. Or three, I could not be quiet. I could tell the truth because I think it's the right thing to do. And by the way, someday when my children are old enough to hear this story, which must be censored for them, I have three daughters, <laughs> uh, like that's how terrible the story is, one one yeah. day when I can tell them, I can't tell them that I shut up about it. Yeah. Because this was the reason given to me that in this dust up, to, the mentioning of Tubin required a breather. I was not informed of the breather. This all happened under the old regime. But then I was told, just come back. I said to myself, look, I can't pretend that nothing happened. So here's what happened. And did we not learn during Me Too that institutional silence and women's silence about these kind of things perpetuates these kind of things? Mm-hmm. And again, one more one more thing, which I told, like I'm I'm a real say it to your face kind of person. I could have like I guess the media thing would do to be would be like a leak it to an outlet anonymously. Like this is what happened to me. I just say things from me. So I told them this, which is as a woman in media, I have been asked to comment on every errant penis in the media industry. And there were so many for the past five years, sometimes the exclusion of all the other things I'd like to talk about, like tax policy, health policy, I don't know, foreign policy. And yet I do it because it's the right thing to do, even though it can be a little humiliating to be on TV talking about nothing but errant penises of your colleagues. The indignity. I reject. That this is the one penis that I'm not allowed to talk about. (laughs) I reject it. (laughs) That penis is fair game. But it has to be done.
3: (laughs) You are not the one who unleashed it on the Zoom.
4: It was out there for the discussion. By the way, Um, and you made this point at the time. And this is what it, it gets to me. I wouldn't have been rehabilitated from something like this. I would oh. have well. I would have been relocated to an OnlyFans page, but like, <laughs> I would not have a career after that.
3: We hell all know that. No, hell no. Lit- like literally, think about it. If a what? Forgive me for going X-rated, but this, picture this: if a woman dropped trow. And her underwear, and started masturbating on a Zoom call for the New Yorker. For she would never work again in the news business, ever. If you just had to sit there watching her pleasure herself, you, she would never ever be taken seriously. Certainly not yeah. in his job. I said this at the time. Like maybe, maybe like if you're at the entertainment correspondent, I don't, maybe there's a way back. Maybe. Not as the guy who analyzes the Supreme Court. No, no, no. And I, I just I
4: can't shut up about that particular thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And further, I was I was informed that I wasn't informed because I was on a maternity leave and they wanted me to, like, be with my baby. And oh, that's some somebody... They
3: have good policy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. So how did you not know you were suspended? Right. Because it's I think the audience might be like, what do you mean? You know, like, didn't you know that's a long time not to not.
4: Yeah, no, word. no. I had, I of course had suspicions. I just wasn't told that this
3: was a disciplinary action until after it was over. Well, in a TV, when you're a contributor and they're not calling you, you never yes. know why. You could think like, oh, you know, they've soured on me. You know, suddenly, and they I'm have no the good. prerogative. They have the prerogative yeah. to not call me. Yeah. But
4: you could like call me and break up with me or something, or tell me why <laughs> because it's, it's not like, like you were doing a like, daily show dating? every day. What are we doing?
3: Right. You didn't swipe on me. So it's not like you were doing a daily show. You were a contributor. So they, it's sort yes. of at their pleasure that you get that you get on the air day to day. And so after month after month after month, suddenly you're like, hmm, it's been a long time. What's going on? So then how did you find out? How did they reveal to you that you had been turfed all that time?
4: Uh, someone called me to tell me uh, sort of in like management or what have you. And, and I, I just I, I was taken aback, taken aback, Megan, mm-hmm. by, uh, by this, because I know, look, we work in live TV. You're going to say stuff. We all are on Twitter. I don't know what say that's like, stuff, right? No, no, like, you're so you just, <laughs> I, I can take my lumps, but I have to, you have to tell me about it. Right. And I might argue with you about whether I should say the thing or whether I should have had the argument. Just tell me about it. My actual job is to have contentious arguments, right? So I could do that. But wait, but
3: the, the um. thing that they were telling you they were upset about was you shooting inside the tent. You know, you took yes. a shot at another CNN forget the subject matter, but you took a shot at another CNN or and the, my my question to you is. Did Andrew Kaczynski, the guy who opened fire on the CNN you? He was the one who first drew blood. Did he get suspended?
4: I asked if there had been
3: a talking to
4: and I, uh, or any, anything. No, no, there was no, there, it was a cagey answer, but I, to my knowledge, no. And I, I noted pointedly the gender disparity in this Mm -hmm. treatment.
3: Uh, Let's hear it. Andrew Kaczynski. I follow you on Twitter. Um, were you, suspended or disciplined in any way for taking a shot at MK Ham? Go ahead and tweet out the answer and then we'll know, because even he must see how wrong this is, how poorly you were treated and just how immoral that decision was by CNN. I mean, it's good that they finally rectified it. But what, if anything, do they offer you to make up for this treatment?
4: Well, Andrew and I, by the way, had a behind the scenes like because if I have a conflict with somebody, I'll make sure we're cool. I don't mind having arguments with somebody and then just moving on. Um and there was some ugly trolling that got involved in the whole thing. So I said, like, let's check in, checked in. We had a nice conversation, a little after action report. Um and this is my issue with like the way this was presented to me was uh this thing happened. Uh it's because of these ways that you know you violated the spirit of the shooting inside the tent thing. You weren't told because you were on maternity leave. Uh, and now you can come back and Great. again, quietly doing that didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I started my career, uh, disagreeing with Bill O'Reilly every week. So like, it started, yeah. this is like in my nature. It has what, yeah. it's what has served me throughout my career. I have this glitch where I'm like, Oh, are you more powerful? And, uh, and also I think you're wrong.
3: Uh, let's talk about that. Publicly. I would love it. Like a moth
4: of the flame. Right. So I'm I'm comfortable with that. I was in my 20s when I started doing that. And it's not in my character to leave this be. And I knew it would eat me up inside if I did. So and you so dropped
3: it and I sub Substack, and uh, a great piece, which I recommend everybody, everybody read. It's really good. It's really powerful. In the age of quiet quitting, I was quiet suspended and I can't shut up about it. And you go on. So what happened? Did you just drop that without any warning? And then CNN read it and executives read it. And then how did they react? I don't have a reaction. No one called you. No, oh my God, this is drama. So you don't know what do you know what your status is there? Like, are you, are you still an employee? Are you still like what's happening? Yeah, I
4: mean, to my knowledge, I am. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is a weird professional situation, MK.
4: Well, it is. And you know what? When you're in a weird situation, sometimes the best and simplest answer is to tell the truth. And that is what I did. Uh, and again, I appreciate the the sort of attempt to say like, okay, this is sort of the slate is clean. Because now, I think the back. slate always should have been clean. Or that we should have had a brief talk and then it was clean. Uh, I just can't ignore the seven
3: months of sleep before that. No. The woman should have come to you and said, I am so embarrassed to have to tell you this. I'm new in this regime. You know, there's new management and I'm horrified to find out you've been turfed for seven months for, for this comment in Jeffrey Tube, and It was wrong. I, I, I will do a public apology if you want. We will do a, a, a memo internally, however you want us to handle this. This is my proposal and how we should handle it. But here are your flowers and a raise. And welcome back. Like, that's what should have happened if if this was not the wrongdoer, but just the executor of right. the policy. And the 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 guy who did who made the decision, who we believe is Jeff Zucker, then he got outed. I explained at the top why I believe he made this decision. Um, so he's gone. But the people there can actually try to make it right for you. Right. So are you getting booked? Like, are are you still in purgatory? Not at the moment. I feel I feel
4: like purgatory is still in action. Uh <laughs> again there had been an offer to just like come back but you know i understood that once again talking might be uh detrimental to me uh but i did it because i thought it was the right thing to do um and i appreciate many of my colleagues who like among them alice stewart and uh and and scott jennings who do yeoman's work over there uh bringing our side to the table and i i think that some of the changes being made are necessary and correct ones. Uh, and and yet I'm in this weird middle ground.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. They want your voice, but not your voice. <laughs> they want, mm-hmm. they, but not when it's taking aim at anything they've done.
4: Well, uh, meanwhile, and this, this is a thing about media, where media demands transparency, answers, uh, self-reflection from every other industry. Well, maybe not the a chip, but every other industry, but itself. Yeah. But sometimes you got to have that. So
3: here I well, am. Well, I mean, listen, I'm old enough to remember when the Roger Ailes scandal broke at Fox, they did stories talking about how wrong it is to silence women and how this right. culture of silence can lead to pernicious results. And that's true that they're right. But not a moment of self-reflection over, let's face it, who, did they really care about Jeffrey Tubin? I mean, like really, like he, he shot himself in the foot. He was obviously hobbled. They had to know he didn't have much of a runway left in him and you do. So why, like if, if forced to take a position in this fight, would they, would they side with him? I just think it's a Jeff Zucker thing. I think he was so protective of yes. all of his me tours because he had his own secret. He didn't see any other way.
4: No, I think it was he was the priority because he was Zucker's priority. And it doesn't have to do with the new guys. But I was still went through this thing. And I again, I cannot be quiet about it because, is again, is it calculate protecting Tubin at the cost of me who has done nothing but tweet? Is it calculated
3: to make me as mad as possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, has. Has anybody not a Republican over there been good to you in the wake of this? <laughs> oh, uh,
4: well, I've, I've had really good experiences with tons of people at the network. But one of the you know, one of the things about this is that I don't know, am I I'm like semi persona non grata, at least uh, so <laughs> everyone's like, you know, I, I don't have close relationships, Um, mm-hmm. partly because of COVID. And we've all been we were all benched to some degree and didn't see each other for two years. But I've had good experiences in the
3: past. I just, again, like needed to air this. Wait, but did anybody did like any of the anchors or anybody reach out to you after you posted your Substack? stack? Uh, few and far between. Oh, my God. Seriously. <laughs> She's being diplomatic. I'm horrified by that. I mean, I know a couple people over there. I, the audience knows I have no love for CNN, but th- I know a couple people over there who I would absolutely have thought would have reached out to you and been like, this is bullshit. I am shocked to learn nobody has.
4: Well, there was there were like two people who said like this, who have said through this process, like this was wrong, um, more than sort of management said this was wrong. Um, But yeah, it's not it's not a a mass, Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) I would say. It doesn't seem like your future there is is robust, MK, and I don't think it should be. I mean, I'll ask you, I'll squeeze in a break, but I want to ask you on the opposite side whether you think they've got a real future because they're trying to th- turn things around right now. I, I just don't I think too much damage has been done, N- not necessarily just in this case, but just with the American public. And then let's talk about some news, right? Let's talk about Fetterman uh, in Pennsylvania and all the other stuff that that's making headlines today as we deep dig deep into politics, which is her actual specialty, not Tubin. Stand by Mary Catherine Ham and more right after this.
0: Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you, too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000.
2: Call now. You're cruising down the highway. Windows rolled down. Tunes blasting from the radio. all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com carlson. That's carshield.com carlson. Visit now.
3: MK, what do you think? People ask me all the time. Do you think CNN can be saved because now they have new management and some new ownership, and I think a new commitment to trying to win back some Republican viewers? Personally, I've said it before. I think it's too late. It's just too too late. They've already told half the country that they hate them. Uh, But you're an insider. What do you think? Uh, Well, let's take my
4: personal experience off the table for a moment. I'll put my analyst hat on, and I do think. Look, I when when I went over there, uh, the brand that CNN had in 2016, although, you know, certainly most news outlets are left of me, like I'm comfortable with that. That's why I'm here. Right. Yeah, Uh, I get that. But it was fun. It was it was a good time. It was I felt like we were presenting all the possible takes, including sort of like a critical uh, Trump, critical conservative, which I was more on the side of and a uh, Trump favorable conservative. And we were having, we were fighting the good fight. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there was the part also where, you know, Zucker was giving this like billions of dollars of airtime to Trump. And then there, the immediate response after he's, oops, elected is like, well, now we got to be part of rectifying the situation, right? (laughs) As I said on air many times, like you can't, you can't un-president the president. You got to impeach and convict. Or you got to defeat him in an election. Those are those are the choices. Uh, but I do think, look, it looks like the the new folks are trying to bring in people who, uh, by the way, I don't want to tar with close association with, with me. But like, but Stephen Gutowski, who knows yeah. uh, guns really well, Very that well. certainly show. shows a different uh, attempt to bring in people who understand this other part of the country that many people. On air in news media and national news media just don't have contact with, and they don't understand them and I think there were a lot of years lost not understanding those people to the detriment of people you're trying to inform about the news and then get re- getting really wrapped up too often in thinking those people are the enemy of America right mm-hmm. look there's there are some people out there who are bad, but not half the country is the enemy of america um and so talking about them in that way too often can be really really damaging uh and then one of the like we talked about the media trust numbers one of the reasons people don't trust media is because the media messes up and or lies to them a lot a lot and i think like being watching the russia investigation and everyone just having a conclusion that they they had figured out in their minds and this is like the entire media with the exclusion of very few. They had a conclusion in their minds. They were there before Mueller was. They were there before the facts were. And it turned out the facts like never really got to that conclusion. And yeah, and and the attempt since then has been sort of to backfill the BS, right? Like, well, it's just I don't just remember
3: the mea culpa. I do. I don't oh. remember one person on CNN owning. Never mind MSNBC owning any piece of that. We got it wrong and we misled you for years.
4: Yeah, it's and it's it's bad. Like mea culpas are really powerful and really important uh, and they can win back trust. And you see this in studies too of, of how people uh, treat media, but you do have to say the thing. And that was, yeah. you know, I've I've attempted to do this in my own career and I'm sure there's ones I've missed and my, my Twitter trolls will fact check me. But you know, in 2016, I thought it was important to go on the day after the election and say, look, I gave him a 30, 40% uh, the 2016 election. I gave Mm -hmm. Trump a 30, 40% chance of winning. Right. But I didn't think he would pull it off. And I thought it was important if I was going to suit up the next day to go on TV and say, I got it wrong. Mm -hmm. I got it wrong. And I want to be honest about that. Here were my blind spots. I thought Hillary Clinton had a ground game. I was incorrect. Uh, And but being straight with people about those things is important. And the media will tell you that they do that. Uh, and that corrections. So why are do you think they're strength. not
3: like, why, why do, do you think really? CNN has never done that?
4: I think because I think it's easier. And honestly, it, Trump does this, too. Right. Whereas, like, um, if I just stick with this position and ride it out, then we'll move on and no one will notice that I was wrong. But people do notice that you were wrong. And- <laughs> And you should like shamelessness is not should not be the name of the game. Uh, and I just think you earn far more by saying, yeah, like this is this is the thing I goofed up on. I mean, the 2016 election and I think some of the Russia stuff afterwards, it's like it wasn't we weren't just wrong. It was like Oprah's favorite things of being wrong. You're wrong. You're yeah. wrong. You're wrong. And you're wrong. And you're wrong. you <laughs> we were all wrong. Right. With a precious few exceptions who, by the way, should be applauded for being Right and often are not.
3: But I mean, that's, it, it's because aside. of ideological bias, right? It's like they they saw what they wanted to see. They couldn't let go of it. They had a pre-existing judgment about him that colored all of their reporting. I just don't see how you re- how you recover from that. And more importantly, from from telegraphing to the audience that you hate them. You know, how are you going to get back re- Republican viewers or even just right of center? When they know you hate them. The thing is uh, th- that that brilliant sage, Geraldo Rivera, once told me um, people don't watch because of the guests with all due respect to you know the, the new hirings. They watch because of the anchors. They watch because of the hosts or they don't watch because of the hosts. And you they need to like the host or they're not going to watch. That's the bottom line. So there is no world in which people are going to tune in to anchors who said, I fucking hate you for four years and then say oh they have a guest i like so i'll listen like it's i just it's not gonna happen
4: i mean look i don't think i i think some of that can be overcome but yes it does have to have a you have to have the moment where you say this i was wrong about this right or else there's no repairing everything that's one of the things with my with my own personal situation i was like i know one thing about professional relationships or personal relationships, if you set the bar for what you will accept and not say anything about it there, and there is no mea culpa, then mm. that's where the bar is for how you're treated. And I think that's the audience media relationship sometimes too, right? If you, that's th- true you have to say that this is the thing I got wrong. And too many people in media are not great at doing that. And again, I'm not perfect. I attempt to say, when I goof up, and I attempt to own up to it. And sometimes my ideological assumptions lead me astray. But I got a lot more people testing my ideological assumptions than most people in media. Yeah,
3: that's right. That's right. I mean, it's I don't know what your experience was like before, because I agree with you prior to I would put it a little earlier, though, before when Trump when CNN turned. But 2015 certainly I liked CNN a lot I watched I watched it every night as I was getting ready for the Kelly file um so I think they would have been nice to you then I wonder what it was like during the four years of the Trump administration you know Megan McCain talks about how awful it was for her on the set of the view and that's no surprise you're not as contentious as she is you know you I just think you're just generally an agreeable person even if you're fighting you know you're just a likable person all around um anyway what was it like for you during those four years of his presidency
4: i mean the first couple years there were great and i again i don't mind being the only person who's saying something different yeah and often it behooves me because i end up being the one who was on the right side of the issue right right? Uh, so i don't i don't mind being that person i enjoyed it i got a chance to do it i think it is a worthwhile project to speak to different audiences and to not only speak to people i agree with although i do love speaking to people i agree with Uh, but I think it's worth doing that work. And I think it was worthwhile for a couple of years there. And then I again, I think partly because i'm I'm not so contentious, I sort of I get a little bit lost in the mix. And I think it was like during Covid it was like, eh. and i'm I'm over here yelling like, I could tell you guys about Yunkin. Uh, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. I
4: can tell you what's coming. Uh, but I'm not sure that was super
3: welcomed. Mm, That's an interesting thought, though. It's like. They they got to the point where they didn't even want to hear it. It was like it's like, you know, because CNN used to have both sides on and you'd hear both things represented. And MSNBC was not really that way. But CNN has gotten more and more like MSNBC, including not as interested in voices like yours. You know, that probably played into your secret suspension, too. It's like, well, we're not dying to hear those things said on our air anyway. So enjoy the couch. All right, Mm -hmm. now on to something more pleasant, because you mentioned your maternity leave. That was baby number three. Mm -hmm. But you are expecting baby number four. And uh, I understand we've got a a gender reveal to do. You've got three girls and... This one's a boy. (sighs) Who knew? Yay, congrats. Who knew?
4: But I had my husband call uh, the midwives to check on this uh, when the the reveal happened to us. And he told me, and I said, that can't be right. I don't... (laughs) I'm that not capable. Boy. I grew I grew up with two brothers, and I always just assumed this is where my loud mouth comes from and my my tendency to speak up. Uh, I had to, I had to fight for every scrap, but I of grew course. up with two brothers, and I just assumed I would have boys, which is not how science works, by the way. Uh, as I <laughs> found science-y. out when I had three girls, and so I just assumed this one would be a girl, but no, it's a boy. So here we go. Yeah.
3: That's exciting. Oh my god, you're gonna you're gonna so enjoy this experience and it is i do think dramatically different from raising girls in great ways you know i just i don't know i think boys are easier am i wrong the audience will tell me if i'm wrong i think generally boys are a little easier (laughs) girls are awesome i love my girl but yeah the hard labor is definitely in that lane versus the boys well, I know we've uh, we
4: bonded over this since the first kid that I have shortly after, I think your first or second. Uh, um, and just like having someone who's in the professional world to chat, uh, chat with about uh, this journey has always been nice. And, uh, and here I am. Yeah, just just uh, diving off the cliff with the fourth kid. And well, if there's any time to just detonate a bomb in your career, it's when you're pregnant with your fourth kid.
3: <laughs> yes. Why not? Well, but can I say... I mean, you would never say this, but it's just another reason why the CNN behavior is so douchey, which is everybody knows your personal story. There's not a more sympathetic figure on the face of news today. You know, you for the audience members who may not be familiar, forgive me, MK, but MK was married to a lovely man who happened to be a Democrat, which is kind of a fun piece of their relationship. And um had a baby girl, was pregnant with their second, and then he died suddenly in a biking accident, just a freak biking accident, while you were pregnant with your second. I mean, it's just so heartbreaking. Your best friend, Guy Benson, which our viewers may know him from Fox, it was such a stoic and like what a rock he was during that whole thing. He was like your number one protector and one of the many reasons we love Guy. But you managed to get through. And you managed to find love again. That picture of the two of you when he proposed on Twitter against the backdrop, the beautiful about the backdrop. Anyway, it's a great love story. Thank so it's so resilient and optimistic of you to try again. And you had a child with your new husband. This is your second pregnancy. And Sienna was like, this is so awesome. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at really the potty mouth going today. I'm OK. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: Again, I mean, yeah, the maternity leave part of that was not not my favorite part of the discussion, because even even in my uh, female hormonal state uh, postpartum, I can digest basic information uh, Mm -hmm. without any trouble. Um, But, yeah, I I appreciate you saying all that. It's um, Mm -hmm. it has been a wild ride for seven, seven years now. And uh, ever since then, one of the one of the. I don't, I don't want to say there's like a silver lining to this great, the, to great tra- tragedies, but you will be given tests in your life. It, it's just, a, that's just the way the game is played, right? And so uh, my sort of public visibility and speaking about what happened to me has been therapeutic to me. And it turns out uh, leads people to me when they're in a similar situation. I think if you mm. Google pregnant widow, I'm like one of the top, it's a, it's an inauspicious honor. uh, But people Uh can find me and I can speak about sort of going through the fire and coming out the other side. And that has proven beneficial to other people who are in the same spot. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that part of it. Uh, In addition to uh, my faith and my sense of humor, (laughs) helping me and my children helping me to sort of just soldier through. That single mom life, and to get to where I was, and to be able to meet somebody uh, who is a great dad to the kids, and now a new brother and sister.
3: I think about that. There's a. We just pause. Just pause for a second. The fact that CNN, when faced with a choice between this person and Tubin, and this benign comment about, "Hey, yo, you didn't say anything about him. That's all you said," decided to punish. You I mean, that it's so telling about the character of the management that ruined CNN that ruined it and whether it can be resurrected from the ashes remains to be seen. But it certainly is going to have farther to go without MK Ham on staff. If they're smart, they'll reverse themselves immediately. Come finally with the flowers on the bended knee. It's already public, CNN. We know you did it. We realize it was old management. So just own it. Try to make it right and prove to the world that you will treat the person we know best as CNN's Republican voice uh, with the respect and the kindness she deserves. All right. The next time, because I'm sure you're going to be unemployed soon from CNN. (laughs) The next time we're going to get into the news, MK, because that's what you're best at. And it's awesome. Love it. (laughs) Thank you for coming on.
4: Thank you so much for for having me and for your kind words.
3: Of course. And thanks for your courage in telling the story. Uh, I think this is another instance in which you probably helped a lot of people who will wind up coming to you as well. Thank you, my friend, to be continued. Thank you. All right. Up next, comedian John Crist is here. He's hilarious with an amazing backstory. Wait until you meet him.
0: Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you, too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now.
3: Netflix special, a book deal, a live tour were all in the works when comedian John Christ's double life caught up with him. It was crushing at the time, but John claims it actually was also a relief. More on that in just a bit. John is back now and on fire with a very funny and candid book called Delete That and Other Failed Attempts. To look good online. You probably know him from one of his viral videos, like this one, every parent at Disney World can relate to.
5: We made it to the happiest place on earth. It's 9 a.m. I got to schedule every minute of our day until 9 p.m. Pay attention and stay close. I just flew my family halfway across America to visit Disney and all my homeschool kids want to do is visit the Hall of Presidents. We need a map. $45 for bedazzled mouse ears, baby. You want these or you want to go to college? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's 9.30 in the morning. It's too early to get wet. We're not waiting an hour and a half for impressions of France, okay? Eat a baguette and lose a world war. That's my depression of france let's go to space mountain no i'm not gonna push him in a stroller okay he's four no that's not right the splash mountain is this way no you cannot have goofy shaped chicken nuggets sit down your mother brought ham sandwiches oh for heaven's (laughs) sakes pick up your garbage and throw it away this isn't six flags listen rebecca she's not coming out today okay that dream to meet elsa you better let it go (laughs) let it go (laughs) john thank
3: you so much for being here great to have you
6: there we always one Always one of my favorites, that video. I, I don't watch my videos myself too much, but that one's funny.
3: Oh my God. We really can all relate. The Disney experience, yep. the, the goofy shaped chicken nugget, all of it. The <laughs> stroller, right? It's like, do I get the stroller? I don't, I don't want to have to navigate with that thing. All of it.
6: Oh yeah. It's a nightmare. And then you don't know where the map is. You don't know the lines are always a nightmare. But I would say, when does a kid, when does a kid uh, expire at Disney? You say about one or two, maybe?
3: <laughs> uh, you mean like when is Disney no longer interesting to them? Is that what you mean? For, no, when, or is when, a,
6: when does the kids start turning like, you know, I, I go over to, I don't awful. have any kids, but I go to my friend's houses. Yeah. And they're like, uh, you know, you leave your friend's house when you're the kids about to have a meltdown. Like the parents yeah. kind of know they go, hey,
3: it's, it's kind of coming to an end. That's true. I have to say, I was, I think, pretty smart. I never took them to Disney when they were really little. So yeah. I kind of avoided that. And I don't it's like so fun that generally they stay pretty well behaved, but those lines are just absurd. I mean, like that yeah. when it was Disney that we discovered the game that some other parents taught us in line, which is the um you have to go around the circle, and it's like, um, I went on a picnic and I got and I brought an apple. I wanted a picnic, and I yep. got an apple and a banana. I wanted a picnic and I got an apple, banana and a carrot. But then you, you know, everybody in line has to remember you gotta keep going every single right so you get down to the end of the alphabet and then you start all over with a new thing it could be cities it could be vegeta- yeah. I, I, I don't want to play that game ever again
6: nah which should, i should if i do a part two i'll add that to it
3: yeah yeah well yeah i have to say you can also get the vip guide which costs like a mortgage you really just have to take yeah. a second mortgage and that makes life a lot a lot easier
6: that place is expensive for sure i still i'm i just came off uh i'm in virginia beach now i came off uh box and friends this morning. So I still have the TV makeup on.
3: Oh, Nice. You look good. Did you notice the difference when you see yourself in the camera?
6: Yes. I mean, you probably someone that doesn't know me personally wouldn't, but I'm looking at myself in this reflection. I'm like, oh man, I look like a Disney character.
3: You're like, I'm a handsome man. I laugh at the guys who are always like, especially on TV, like, oh, I'm not putting on makeup. I'm not putting on makeup. I'm like, yeah, okay." And then you pop them up there next to you. okay? because the anchor always has anchor and the other guest who said that he would get it. And they look like something out of The Walking Dead. You just look so pasty.
6: I told I said, and I whenever I put makeup on, I go, oh, man, I go, this is unbelievable. I'm going to wear. How long can I wear this? I've been wearing it. I'll wear it for three days. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Don't even get me started. We we need our men to stay men and not be wearing makeup when they're not on TV. So just stop right. it. Don't even think about it. All right. So you grow up uh, the son of a preacher man and you were homeschooled and you were a good boy who always watched his posture and, you know, we're what, eight kids, I think, in the family.
6: Eight. One of eight kids. Yep. I'm the one of the close to the oldest. I'm the third.
3: Okay, and you had the pizzazz. You had like this sense of like they could tell there was something special about you to the point where your dad was like, hey, you you know, are you into the family business? He thought maybe you would want to take over as preacher. And you did, you know, like, oh, no.
6: Yeah, it's kind of. uh, Yeah, I I knew it wasn't for me, you know, but I think my dad has told me uh, in politics. He uh, he's a pastor and now he's a politician in uh georgia running for uh uh, a house seat in two weeks and he said a comedian and a politician in a lot of ways are doing the same thing because they see the world and they don't like it they don't like the way it's headed they don't like the direction of it and they would they're trying to change it and uh, he said i try to do it through uh laws and legislation and you're just trying to do it through thoughts and ideas but it's the Mm. same thing
3: it's really true, and you know what the the best politicians have a good sense of humor that they can use at the right time that that's half of trump's charm. he's funny, yeah
6: that's a, yeah that's a, very funny that's well that's remember everyone said that about Bush remember they go ah he's like he's like a guy that I'd like to have a beer with or he'd like to, he's like a guy I'd like to hang out with the right mm-hmm. we every comedian will say this and not to get too like divisive, but the right is great about like laughing at themselves like we go to like a nascar race and a guy's wearing a you know a a sleeveless cutoff and some and some jean shorts and some cowboy boots and you like make fun of it but you're like yeah it's a joke but we're all kind of here we're all kind of joking everything's kind of fun and we can even joke about ourselves which you don't see too much from the left i'll just leave it like that
3: the left does not mock itself. They they only no, no. try to ruin others. That's it. <laughs> they don't even mock others. They just try to ruin them. Yeah, they just um, they just. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's upsetting. And I know you've been, as I said in the intro, the target of it. You know, you I don't know if you would call yourself the victim of it because you kind of own, you know, your own foibles. But can I just say, like, from my standpoint, I still struggling to understand exactly what you were doing that was cancelable. Like I I recognize you were behaving like a young man who's, you know, succeeding and becoming famous and maybe not like treating women perfectly. I get all that. But like, how does it make you different from any other young man in that situation?
6: Well, I think, uh, yeah, I would not, definitely not call myself a victim. I think if if um, everybody's responsible for their own actions and, and their own choices. So if that that all all this all this stuff, and you kind of know it yourself, this stuff kind of comes with being a public figure. And and, and as soon as uh, what's odd is as soon as I got canceled, every everybody that I knew that was uh, a celebrity or public figure in some ways texted me like, "Hey, welcome." kind of welcome to show business in a lot of ways which is you're like oh this is just kind of a part of it but i think when you when you first you would say the same thing like the first time anyone said anything negative about you megan on twitter the very very first time it was so striking and so scary it was so scary but now i mean uh, now it kind of just falls off your back and, and you go, uh, this is kind of a part of the business and, and everybody has their own opinion of you and they're, and they're, all, and they're also more than welcome to.
3: Yeah, that's right. So, so you, the, as I understand it, the, the takedown on you was related to the fact that you were publicly, you know, or outwardly this Christian guy and
0: they mm-hmm. didn't think
3: you were living a Christian lifestyle. You were, mm-hmm. you were DMing or texting with women you wanted to have affairs with who were married, things like that, where they were like hypocritical, oh. like two faced. Yeah. But you also kind of hit your own low. The thing about your, you know, your car and the, mm-hmm. and sending the tech like that was dark. So did all that happen at the same time? Yeah. I, mean, terrible accident. Kind of, I should tell was, the audience what I'm talking about. You had a terrible, terrible car accident. Where you were ejected and you were in the hospital. And, and it you were,
6: was you were, yeah, it, it was a uh, I would say it was kind of a. uh, uh A three four year downward spiral that things got you know kind of worse and worse as you go you have all these kind of insecurities that i grew up with and then you kind of become successful and you become you have and you go out on the road and it's like this is not a a place for someone that's not in a good mental place and i was obviously Mm -hmm. drinking a lot and uh in a position that where I, i should never have been uh out traveling and I, I just had a lot of demons that i was dealing with myself and uh, i think ever anyone will tell you the story like everyone who has read anything about my story would says the same thing you do and not not to let myself off the hook i'm here to look everybody in the eye and take responsibility for all of my actions of course they're all my choosing but everybody goes this sounds like something that every guy in their 30s would do
3: yeah like this, I this is like a normal it.
6: And it's and I'm not like, what'd you say?
3: I keep looking for the horrible like I get it's not the most perfectly moral sure. behavior, but I mean yep. to lose your career and then you went away to like a rehab. Yeah. But that was that what was that? Was that tech addiction? What was that?
6: Um, it was uh it was it's kind of I came off the road because it's so like you understand, like in the faith in the faith culture, in the faith community and 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 back in the Me Too movement in 2019, it was so everyone was so scared. It was very spooky Yeah, like now I think if any if these people would say something about me now, I'd just be like, oh, okay, and I I got a show tonight that's sold out. I wouldn't pay much mind to. It. But back at the time, people understand. Like in 2019, it was so scary. But my shows are full now, and they're sold out. We sell more tickets now than we did before. So. Uh, same way you 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 would read the the, read an article about me like you're waiting for kind of the ball to drop you're waiting for something Mm -hmm. horrific and you go yes oh so there's some people that were just uh, that didn't like him okay but i I wouldn't wish cancellation on my worst enemy
3: Mm, i don't know some upsides to it it is very painful i can relate trust me but horrible there's, there's some upsides to it. So you oh, definitely,
6: you... I, yeah, it, it's a, I wouldn't, I don't like, I don't like to often probably say this publicly because um I, w- I don't like to encourage, uh, you know, cancel culture or people being outraged at people, but it did in a lot of ways it did save my life. I've been sober uh since that day. And I, and I've I'm a different person than I was then. And that was just, I was just going down a terrible road. So you don't want to say that like, you know, god interjected or I, I don't want to get too spiritual about it but it is i don't i did save my life yes
3: i know what you mean honestly like i i was canceled and i almost feel like oh. it was a moment in which you know you know when you're like you're making the bed and you you have the the fresh blanket and you shake it and it snaps yeah, yeah. it was kind of like that right like yeah. sh- it shakes you and like things snap and now you have a nice, fresh, clean slate blanket, and right. you're almost like I don't know. I feel like reading your story. I feel like the same for me happened, where you kind of become more aligned with who you really are, what you were really meant to be doing. You know, my yep. cancellation came after I was doing something that really wasn't well aligned with who I was. That's and the best
6: way that, I think That's the best way to put it,
3: right? It you're like was... yours did too. You, you you felt more free when you post cancellation and post rehab. You came out and you were like, "Screw it! What do I have to lose now?"
6: Yeah, and that and that that is honestly it's just like yeah you would say the same thing it was just what you were kind of living a life that wasn't really aligned with who you were as a person and then you you when everything it's so wild it's like uh, looking out over a city that is burnt to the ground and you're just like well nothing what what matters now like you can kind of yeah. in my comedy i mean anyone that's seen my stand-up show uh pre-cancellation in post to be like it's a hundred times better because now you can say uh that you're not <laughs> i'm not in i think you're the same megan that you're not in any kind of fear I, I, I have no and i tell a lot of people that are scared they're still kind of you probably know them they still kind of live over there a little bit and you mm-hmm. just go Yo, know, come over here. It's, it's way better.
3: It's so nice. All right. So one of your first forays out into, I don't care anymore land. Um, yeah. was that the things that need to be canceled bet? That yeah. was it, right? Yeah. Where you were yeah. like, just went through the grocery store and just I decided just, to do a riff on like things that need to be canceled. Let's show the audience just a little bit of that. This is Sat 11
5: we got rid of aunt jemima we got rid of uncle ben's but i am wildly triggered by the brands and the photos that i see in this grocery store using a polar bear to sell your ice cream klondike Did you know polar bears were extinct no thank you cancelled paw patrol mac and cheese listen defund the police Defund Paw Patrol. V eight. You know what kind of emissions an engine like that puts out into the environment? I drive a Prius, and that is canceled. Okay, I don't exactly know who this guy is, but I don't like his look at all. Quaker I don't like anything that this guy stands for. Cancel. White rice, brown rice. Why do they got to be separated? Think about it. Cancel. <laughs> the
4: Quaker oats guy. I don't like the look of him. He's canceled.
6: <laughs> well, the, I it's think perfect. the what's funny about that is is is. Um, what comedy and satire does so well instead of instead of kind of like you know sometimes get maybe getting angry at the left or maybe you know fighting back with them you're like hey okay let's just go with this idea of of because aunt jemima and uncle ben's really were canceled like all right Mm -hmm. well okay so let me not fight with you we'll just go there we'll just go down that road And I'm going to show you what that turns into. And that's often a very, very uh, successful way of uh, to improve social commentary.
3: Hmm. It's funny because I was just yesterday was talking about Jocko Willink, you know, this just like great, amazing diehard vet. And uh, he's all about extreme accountability. And you just you don't blame others for anything. It's all about you, and what you do. And uh, I asked him once about these annoying woke people. And he was kind of saying even complaining about them is part of the problem. He's like, mm-hmm. just be great, like be strong, be yep. the best you can be, and don't spend time thinking about them. Now, in my business, that's not really an option. You know, you, <laughs> I, I just think they have to be fought and I'm just yeah. the right person to do it. Um, but you have a different approach. You're kind of like, well, mock them, you know, like show them through comedy how absurd they are. Not, if not them, then everybody else. So it's yep. interesting. I'm kind of just putting it together how everybody, depending on their skill set fights them in their own different way
6: yeah it's like kind of i guess it'd be kind of like uh you know if we're you know fighting a war there's the uh you know there's the gunner there's the guy up on the hill with the bow and arrow there's the the guys that are actually running down to fight and then there's the guys in the airplanes like we're all kind of strategically coming at it together i think a lot of things that the left will do um uh we describe it in the comedy just to get to get attention my dream is for one day some celebrity to come out as transgender and then nobody covers it like they go Mm. i'm just announcing i'm transgender um i'm already ready for the protest i'm already ready for the hate Mm. and everybody just goes all right like no no one says a word like it's not a thing and then it'll be like oh, a lot of this was just for the motivation of getting attention. And then it just Mm -hmm. like, like they throw out there's 37 genders. And then we go, "Ah, ah, ah," you know what I'm saying? We we all kind of get into it together. It's the same thing you do
3: with your, with your kids. When your kids are being really naughty, you know, the greatest (laughs) thing is just ignore them, just ignore them. Don't, don't give it any attention at all. Cause my mom, my mom always says the good me is the best way they want to get attention, but they'll take it second of all from the bad me. But the yeah, worst thing you it. can do to a kid is the "not me," right? Like I didn't see it; it's not happening. You're not getting any reaction out of me. I've tried that and, with my Strudwick, my dog, and let me tell you, there's no version that works. Um, all right, now I have a question for you about religion and comedy because I know yeah. you. you when, the first time you tried stand-up, it was I think in a church. You were doing some stand-up like at night. It wasn't like during mm-hmm. the the service, but it was like. Yeah. Uh, like at night you were meant to be doing comedy and people laughed and laughed and laughed. And then the first time you kind of went out of that venue, maybe it wasn't considered so funny. (laughs) So now, (laughs) yeah, that was,
6: I would say maybe you're performing at, at, at a church or something like that. I used to, you know, work at a church in Colorado and it's kind of a, you know, if you go, if you do a live show somewhere, all the people that show up are your friends. They know you. Megan, they already love you. So when you go out on stage, you just like make an appearance. You go, hi. And it's it's a very warm audience versus if you just went into an open, you know, put your hair back and then put a hat on and Scary. went into an open mic. It would be. N- oh. You didn't have the padded stats, maybe is the best way to put it. So. I, right. I,
3: so that's that so was- you tried. You went out and you used your same material and not as great. So now now the like the post cancellation i am just going to be me you does yep. it um do you still like use humor about your upbringing and the yeah. catholic church or the christian you know religion absolutely you well do? i think okay
6: i mean i even use I, I, i've even used humor in a way uh about my own cancellation i mean that's the only that's the and everybody else by the way if you come to the show uh those are the jokes people laugh at the hardest. So, oh, like,
3: what? Tell me. Like, what? Well, give me an example.
6: I mean, I t- I do a joke about uh cancellation. I go, I go, nah, uh, uh, I say something that's maybe like uh some people would say it'd be across the line or something. I go, listen. I go, being canceled is like getting COVID. Like, you're scared. You're really, really scared of it. Then you get it. And it's a week of symptoms. You go, nah, it's not that bad, and you're back on the road. I go. I said, I got the canceled antibodies. Now I can say whatever I want.
3: <laughs> yes, I recommend those highly. No, They're I canceled understand
6: antibodies. Yeah.
3: What is your? You're not Catholic. What are? What is your uh, religion? I'm not Catholic.
6: I'm I'm am a evangelical Christian. I, I would say I grew up in in a denomination that's nearest to uh, Pentecostal, but okay, they would say you would say in any kind of any kind of joke like when i first started making jokes i was i was kind of joking around about christian culture i remember in a video specifically about christian music and this is before i was popular no one knew who i was and everyone in the comments this is going to make sense to you when i say it everyone in the comments goes is this guy a christian or not because if he is a christian this video kind of uh, mocking the subculture of christianity if he is a christian this is hilarious now if he is not if this guy's not a christian i is wildly wildly offensive and i think the same thing <laughs> you're like oh no it's like whether whatever subculture you're a part of you're like oh no uh, like people can make fun of your family or your your parents if they are in your family
4: mm-hmm. and they
6: like we love this family these are our people but if you're outside of the family and they make fun of someone in your family you know it's time to fight you know
3: no then then it's like i'll cut a bitch okay so here's a little bit of you talking about something near and dear to my my own heart which is communion in church it's sound by 12.
5: remember back in the day church you grew up in church sir remember back in the day communion was big a chunk of bread you have to chew remember that he's like (laughs) You want to go to lunch? No, I'm good. We just had communion. I'm straight. (laughs) Then it turned into a cracker. It's a cracker. Now it's a cracker. It's a cracker. Then it turned into a wafer. We didn't vote on it or nothing. Just a wafer. Now it's a wafer. (laughs) (laughs) I would not be surprised if soon the pastor was like, hey, we're just going to put a piece of bread up on the screen. Okay? (laughs) Just look at it and take a deep breath. I don't know. (laughs) If you're allergic, there's a safe space in section four. Figure that out.
3: so true oh my god my little thatcher my little guy first i told the audience he complained one time he thought the communion wafer should have a little sea salt on it he's just had his first commandment in may and now his most recent complaint he doesn't he doesn't like cheese his most recent complaint is he thinks the communion wafer in our church tastes like cheese it's like it tastes like cheese again
6: it tastes like (laughs) like cheese that's not that's that they might they might have left him out for too long if it tastes like cheese
3: Right. I don't know. Like what, what could be going wrong with our communion way for Maybe don't I don't want to know. Wanna know.
6: <laughs> but if, if if you, yeah, I think people, if you're, if you're this, this is, I think that video is a perfect example. It's like, oh, this guy like goes to church. This, this is an experience. This is a firsthand experience because there's a lot of obviously uh, pointing fingers at the other side and saying they are, they are weird. They are uncomfortable, but I'm saying we are, we, I love Jesus, but we do some weird stuff. And that's that's the point of all the comedy. And, and by the way, everyone in America is going to get on board with that. Everybody.
3: Yeah. I mean, the the generally in general, going to church is fertile ground for funny things. I mean, there's just like there's just such a unspoken set of rules that you have like i had a situation the other day where i was going to church and you know we're going there to worship right we're going to praise god and jesus and all sing and kneel and all of it and i got confused because i thought this person they had their turn signal on and i thought they were going to turn in the very next road before they got to me yep and so i went forward. I thought they were going to be gone. Anyway, the long and short of it is I misjudged where they were going to turn. So they were they were right in front of me and I cut them off. It was bad and it was my fault. But I had a genuine misunderstanding about what they were trying to communicate. So it was like my fault. But I wasn't actually being a bad person. But the person was so mad. Flipped me off. It was clearly mad at me. And I was like, oh, you know, I kind of tried to say like, sorry, but they'd already gone. And we both wound up going to the same church, getting out of the cars right next to each other at the same time. I was like, oh, my God, this is horrible.
6: Which is it's funny that that is a funny like that when it, whenever there's there's a situation where you know somebody has to be o- overly pious or overly put together overly pc the humanity of a human being comes out and that's that's always the juxtaposition for humor like if you
4: yeah.
6: would you leave church like it we always had a joke when you go to when you drive to church you got to put on you know the christian music you know what i'm saying you got to put on some uplifting, family-friendly music. But as soon as you leave church and you walk out in a parking lot and you untuck your shirt, you know, you can put on some some, Eminem, some some Dr. Dre, some Drake, whatever you want. I don't know why that's a rule that we always had, but me and my brothers growing up in church, we always did that. Going to church, straight and narrow, but on the way, once you're, you're, you you know, do whatever you want.
3: Put your freak on. Well, I was thinking, I was kind of hoping that day that like during the peace Sign, you know, he, this person and I could like patch it up, but didn't happen. But there's some grist for the mill for your next uh, church special. Now you've okay. also been open about um, your concerns about young people today. I won't set it up more than that. Here's soundbite 13.
5: If we had to have a draft <laughs> with this group of 18 to 25 year olds, we got running around this country. Just a bunch of life coaches and bloggers will help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get my shoes dirty. <laughs> you ever been shot? No, I've been triggered. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so good and so true.
6: So true. Where you go, yeah, like a, we cannot go to war. We cannot go to war. Because if we no. if we had to have a draft, what would be like? People would be giving away the locations of the army. They're like uh, they're on uh, Apple. They they checked in and go, oh, dude, you, like it would be. <laughs> I just I don't see I don't see it happening.
3: <laughs> no, let's hope you, let's hope you're right that one's not coming. I don't know when you look at that group though, right? Like there's so much there's so much material for you there. Like what people oh. are doing today and how sad they all are and how they're all victims all the time. That yeah. must be so rich for you. Oh well, we I mean that's. Uh,
6: the victim mentality is there's nothing more crippling honestly to society. And and again, instead of being like, that's the same type of, of bit there we go. Hey, if you, if you're gonna, let me, let me walk this out. Let me show you what that future is. If everybody I've been triggered, like what, like that's, let me walk, let me press. And that's what you're seeing now with like, I make a joke in my show. I go 15 years ago. We stopped spanking kids like there was no discipline for kids and no one was getting beat up at school anymore. And now you got a bunch of people in their 30s who are taking mental health days and can't pay back their student loans like Mm. this. That's like we I mean, we were just raised differently, not to be. There's always that comic like when I was a kid, not to be that comic, but like you took responsibility for your actions. You 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 louis ck has a great bit about when you got when you w- ran out of money you were like i guess we just can't do any more stuff now like that's <laughs> <Right>.
3: like <laughs> <laughs> it's true no there was, was order there's a, there was absolutely order you knew where the lines were and yeah. what would happen to you if you crossed them and people got um,
6: fired you'd be uh, yeah. fire. i talk about in, in my book like uh, you know getting fired from jobs getting uh trying out for the for the uh basketball team at at high school and getting cut like going up to the wall looking for my name and not seeing it there I'm like asking a girl to prom like looking her in the eye and go do you want to go to prom with me and someone saying no like mm. all three of those are like tough for a kid to go through but all made me better like you, uh, no no one's looking at someone else and asking them out on a date anymore no one's getting yeah. cut from the team if the class is too hard you just get the professor fired like it, it's a different it's a it's a different world right for comedy for sure
3: yeah oh well thank god we have comedians like you to take us there and help us laugh about the things that make us insane you know i'm always talking to my my hairstylist sarah she's always like i can't i can't look at this i can't I'm, I, I get too angry you know she gets so mad about these stories and i'm more like very much inclined to laugh about them i mean i'll i'll fight the battles too but guys like you who have that genius way of framing it just right yeah you're you're so important to that process john thank you so much for coming on let's do a longer interview because i want to hear more about your background and and i want to tell the audience that you can find john's videos you can find his book you can find his tour info all at john Christ, which is c-r-i-s-t john c-r-i-s-t comedy.com john dot thanks for coming on love it
6: i'll come back uh, anytime we'll be... megan that was a blast
3: cool All right. A couple of things I want to tell you. First of all, next week, we've got Senator Ted Cruz on Monday. He's got a new book. And then on Tuesday, the return of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Very excited to welcome him back to the show. We're going to get into all of it. He's got a new movie out on Fauci, vaccines, censorship. We talk about all of it. And then then there was this amazing moment where he revealed that his son, Connor, unbeknownst to him, had just gotten back from. Fighting in Ukraine.
5: Here's a preview. When we went in, he felt that he shouldn't be arguing about it unless he was willing to, uh, in, in favor of war, unless he was willing to have skin in the game and take his own risks. Um, and so he went to the Ukrainian embassy and he signed up for the Foreign Legion and he's been fighting over in the Ukraine for the last couple of months. Oh, wow. Uh, he was part of a uh, he was part of a special forces unit on um, that, and he so he didn't have any military experience, and he kind of talked his way into the unit.
3: It's unbelievable. The story was so good. You know, Bobby's sensitivities are more let's not get involved and his son felt very differently and him explaining you know how he reconciled that what how his son felt and how he found out that he was doing it's great great stuff um you'll love the whole thing so don't forget download the show in the meantime so that you won't miss a moment of it apple pandora spotify and stitcher also youtube.com slash megan kelly if you want to send me an email and get my weekly email that i send out there's a great one coming today please trust me do it Sign up at MeganKelly.com. Type in your email there. You'll get today's email and you will see the absolute nonsense that my sweet, naughty little Strudwick put me through, plus an update on all the week's news in 60 seconds or less. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.